Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. Today, I have one of my faves, Sarah Collins, is here, and we are going to share some of our most mindful and favorite things of 2020 and also our biggest pet peeves. Hey, Sarah. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to catch up with you on this Friday and talk about well, we just made this list of our favorite apps, escapes, drinks, days. Who are we inspired by? Detox secrets. Um, yeah, we made this list together, so I think um, I think we're gonna dig in here. There's so much on my mind that I've been absorbing in these past few weeks with new books and new apps and just new trains of thought, um, all kind of mixed into a, a yoga and mindfulness cocktail. So. I'm excited to chat through it all. Yeah, it's been definitely a transformational year of 2020, and it's been a transformational 16 months since you started back at the buyer group. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about all this transformation now. I'm so excited. I have always done this. Um, anytime I have something big ahead or um, a change in career, I, I set some boundaries and I pull away from things that I just need to get a mental break from. And um, I'm doing that here. So I'm going to be um, spending time with my family and I'm pulling my daughter out of daycare and uh, she's seven months old. So I just think, you know, there's no time like the present and I'm never going to get these days back. So spending time with her, spending time with my family, going to go see my parents and my husband, and uh, we're going to rent an RV and drive across the country. So pretty Whoa. fun. I didn't hear that part. And so now that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just um, wanting to, just with COVID and um, traveling, RV seems like the safest, best way to go. And we're going to check out a couple of national parks and um, yeah, hang out with wildlife. Well, I'm, I I'm not going to be doing that, but it sounds like one of the topics here is um, what's our favorite escape from reality. So that's a great escape from reality is getting in an RV and taking it across the country. Yeah. Unplug. Detox yeah. to the max. So I'm going to tell you my, my escape from reality is actually more digital and not unplugged, um, semi-unplugged. So I, um, I just bought the, the new Oculus Quest um, Oculus Quest 2 last night, which just was announced at Facebook Connect. And I'm getting that on October 22nd and can't wait to dive into the whole um, virtual reality and augmented reality world and what's new with that. So I know that they, just from testing out the Oculus Quest that I have, they have um, some amazing meditations that mm. come with it. And um, Nava Berg that, you know, like she's been keeping me in tune with like all the different things that you can do. Um, so I'm going to be really taking a deep dive and escaping reality into virtual reality over the next month. And I think that COVID has pushed that fast forward virtual reality. I can't wait to hear about it. I have been on a meditations ritual for the past month. Every night I uh, put some, some oils in the air. I rub oils on my skin uh, just to kind of set yourself apart. I mean, it's so easy to just scroll through your phone right when you lay down in bed and uh, what I've done for myself, I've, I've done it almost every night is create the ritual of meditation with uh, the app Insight Timer. timer. And, um, you know, there's celebrities that have 
left their meditations on there. There's sleep meditations, there's mindfulness, mindfulness meditations. And I really find that it helps me sleep so much better. And I can only imagine adding that additional layer of visual to it, just how, how much more that would help you escape. Yeah. So I'll tell you what my ritual has been every night, kind of similar because we're on the same wavelength and we're both certified yoga instructors, but we don't teach yoga right now. We just, is our personal development path, I think. Um, so Don and I, my husband, we are loving Deepak Chopra and Oprah Winfrey. They have a meditation um, that is called shedding the weight. And it sounds like it's weight loss type. And it is a little bit geared towards that, but it's really toxic. It's, uh, 28 day meditation. So we're on day 16 right now, but we've been doing it for more than 16 days, but they're so good that sometimes we'll listen to the same one two nights in a row because just, you just want to like listen to it again and, and hear the message. Um, but it's like, it's basically talking about just getting rid of like the past that is your weight of the present so that it's, it's sabotaging what's going to happen in your future. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really powerful. It's my favorite one that that we've done probably done like five of Deepak's and you know, a lot of them include Oprah. They have different themes. Um, the other thing I'm doing is I'm wearing this Apollo um, wearable. So you wear it on your ankle or on your wrist. And so they have a sleep mode, they have a focus mode, they have a de-stress mode. So I've been wearing this at night and um, also taking baths and my sleep score. I do you check your sleep score. Mm -mm. So my sleep score on my Fitbit, um, I could not get, out of the 70s like and now i've been in consistently in the 80s um for nice. the majority my average sleep score is like 81 now so it's drastically improved yeah it's nice to have some data to back up just how you feel i mean that's how the scale is for weight right is oh i i am actually seeing this change and um, i i use iphone watch during the day but when i go to sleep i try to disconnect from everything i, I put my phone away i put i take my watch off and um, I turn off all my notifications. So that's, that's my time um, at night. And um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a natural alarm clock in my daughter. So she <laughs> <laughs> wakes me up, you know, when she's ready to get up and that's, that's kind of how the day rolls. Yeah. My doctor actually told me that it's um, recommended not to wear any wearables to sleep, that there is some science-based evidence that that does interfere with your sleep, even though you're tracking your sleep. So I haven't, I haven't, done that boundary yet because I really mm. like getting my sleep score. I like getting the analytics. Yeah. See how I'm doing. Um, but I know that you discovered some apps in the past two weeks that you've shared with me and share that with our audience. Yeah, I'd love to. I am so obsessed with Blinkist right now. It's Blink like I Blink, I-S-T. And it takes books. There's 500 plus books on there um, and breaks it down into Blinks. So it's essentially the 15 minute breakdown of all the highlights that you might need to know. So think about like cliff notes on crack and um, <laughs> I go on my walks and I can I digest, you know, three or four new books. So Blinkist, I heard it um, from an affiliate link in uh, the Boho Beautiful class that, that we do with the uh, yoga and I actually did another one of those last night uh, where she referenced Blinkist again in some of her favorite books. So I started with her books and then it is just a drove of professional education and knowledge. So um, the, the one that I 
love the most is called The Buddha and the Badass. And the takeaways have just been so spot on with what's happening in my life. And um, the, the two things that I find to be just the most inspiring have been that, you know, life and work don't have to be hard. And I think humans this book talks a lot about this too, how we just, we crave approval and we crave to always be the best. And the way that this book trains you to rethink about how you think about yourself, it just it provides room for clarity and open-mindedness. And I think a lot of times, especially when we're stuck behind a screen in a house by ourselves, it's, it can just be really lonely and it can, it, you can get sucked into your work or you can get pulled in other directions. So um, my tip is um, after long meetings, after long calls, always stand up, stand up and walk around. I mean, my iPhone watch tells me to do that every hour. So I, that I find super helpful. But um, if you're just glued to your computer for hours upon hours, it's not good for your hips. It's not good for your lower back. Uh, stand up, walk around. And I try to get a 20 minute, half an hour walk outside. So when I'm doing that, I'll, I'll listen to a Blinkist book and sometimes two during that time. So it's just so much knowledge. It gives you all the highlights and I, I really in, enjoy the format. Yeah, I have to, um, I have to download it. I, I think I tried it about a year ago, but um, I want to, I want to try it again because I've noticed that like my reading, I barely have time to read. So that's why I'm really into podcast. And it sounds like it's like a, it's like a 15 minute quick podcast, but very dedicated to, you know, to a book. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite book right now is Meeting Suck by Cameron Harold, And I've given it to you and our whole team. And just in the little bit of time that we've all had it, I feel like we've really, and you actually listen to it on Blinkist too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's true. Meetings do suck. Um, Zoom meetings suck even more. And multiple Zoom meetings back to back are the worst thing ever. Like just you hear people talk about it, but it really is true. Like I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> no. <laughs> so the days are longer. Um, you know, it seems like with the pandemic and working from home has its perks, but it also has its, um, has its, you know, definite uh, cons. And one of the things I wanted to talk about favorites, I don't know if you have a favorite or a least favorite, but favorite days of the week and least favorite days of the week. So my least favorite day of the week is Sundays. I like it because it says Sunday brunch involved, but I don't like it because I get like the Sunday scaries where I get like all anxious about Monday. So I think my favorite day of the week is either Friday or Saturday. What about you? I would definitely say work week. My favorite day is Wednesday because you've been able to accomplish a couple things and you see the end. <laughs> and um, I I love the weekend both days. I don't, I, I wouldn't say I have a favorite. I don't, I don't get freaked out on Sunday. Like I said, my, I, I set my boundaries pretty, pretty strict. And um, I, I try to keep, keep notifications off. And, you know, if something is urgent, um, I, I'll, I'll be there. But if it's not, um, I get to it on Monday. Yeah, you're really good at that. And I think that um, you've helped everybody in our team be good with that. So I think that setting boundaries is a huge huge, especially with everything being so digital and work from home, it's hard to have that. It's hard to draw the line in the sand and say, okay, should we, you know, always be available? Everybody's expecting everybody to be available. Um, and not just internal teams, but also working with, you know, other partners and clients. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do think it all comes down to mindfulness and the awareness that you have about what's important to you and what's important to your team. I mean, the, the best that you'll get out of your team is when they feel supported, when they feel like they have the space to have their personal life. And um, I I said this week, mindfulness is a muscle and we have to be flexing it every day. So um, it gets, I especially have a very driven um, work ethic where, you know, I want to get things done. I want to answer right away. And, um, I have to kind of step back from that sometimes and just give myself some space to be mindful about what else is going on in people's lives, what else is going on in my life and, and balance that all. So where do you get your inspiration from? Because you're very inspiring. And how do you, how do you get your, your, how do you get yourself grounded and who do you look to for that? Well, I look to Jesus and to God. I'm, I'm very spiritual and I'm very blessed. So, I mean, even today coming into my last day of the buyer group, I um, saw when I was driving, one of the auto shops near me had for everything, there is a season. It was Ecclesiastes 3.1. And it's, and it's so true for today and for uh, what's happening in my life and um, just got to have faith and, uh, whenever you know I have a setback or pressure that I'm dealing with, I just I I pray about it, take it to God, and I just know that um, I'll be taken care of. Yes, I'm right there with you. Um, I get a lot of inspiration also from Deepak Chopra. I know I already talked about his meditation, but I follow him on Facebook. I follow him on Instagram, and <clears throat> he'll pop up, pop up on my feed, and like right at the my, right moment in time when I need to hear something the most, I'll just get this like. I don't know, like message on Instagram and it's like, okay, that grounded me. Just like you saw the message this morning, driving, driving back from dropping off Layla. Yes. So let's talk about culture and TBG culture and what we love about our culture and maybe what we don't love about maybe cultures that are not healthy. I was going through um, a email that you had sent a few weeks ago about um, the buyer group mantra and I just reread it again and I loved it so much. I, I copied it and I put it on my desktop. So I'm just going to read it. Okay. Um, I have no idea what it says. (laughs) You sent, you sent this actually December, 2019. If you are a good listener, have a sense of urgency, are resourceful by nature, can ask for help, committed to being responsive versus reactive, open to learning new ways, replacing old habits with new habits, okay to take responsibility, challenge the status quo, and are organized, let's talk. I remember writing that now. That was actually for the, um, for the executive assistant position. Yeah, it's, it's just, it, it's so true. And I think we have really taken the petty perfectionism out of our day-to-day. And I have noticed a, a big weight off of my shoulders being relieved doing that because we're, we're agile, we get work done, but it doesn't have to be perfect. And when you drive results from that place of intention, there's nothing more rewarding. So um, one of my pet peeves has been something that I used to do is everything had to be perfect to the nines, you know, and, and in previous agencies, um, you know, we had a, a full-time staffer just to format decks and to make words 
look pretty on a deck that was just going to sit in a file. You know, just think about all the time wasted that that person could have been being more creative or, or strategic or, you know, helping implement a strategy. So that's, that's my pet peeve of the moment is petty perfectionism. And actually I, um, I'm reading another book, um, Dare to Lead, and it talks about how damaging perfectionism can be. So I just want to read um, a, a snippet of what, what was from that book from Blinkist. Um, perfectionism is really about attempting to win approval. Most perfectionists are raised in environments that praise their exceptional performance, for example, in athletics or school. As a result, perfectionists develop a damaging belief system that follows them into their adult lives, anchoring their whole sense of self in accomplishments and brilliant execution. This locks perfectionists into an exhausting behavioral pattern of pleasing people, perfecting efforts, performing for others, and proving themselves. People with a healthy drive for success, on the other hand, are much more self-focused and inspired by asking themselves how they can improve. Improve. Okay. <clears throat> That's awesome. I have to, this is so crazy. Like we did not plan this. Th this is the book somebody just gave me. Cindy actually gave it to me. It's called Perfectly Hidden Depression. And it's about how to break free from the perfectionism that masks your depression. Wow. And it's yeah. true. Perfectionism can lead to like really unhealthy mental health problems. Totally. Totally. It's, it's, it's just having that idealist image of yourself and of others. And really all we need to do is love one another. So true. So this book, Perfectly Hidden Depression, we'll put it in the, um, in the show notes. And what was the book that you just read from? Dare to Lead. Yes, Dare to Lead. So we'll put that in there too. And I remember when we, you know, we, you came to work with the buyer group for the buyer group 2.0 back in May um, you were a different person than you were when you worked at the buyer group the first time and you're a different person today and you were very conditioned. I just remember just thinking like, Sarah, this is going to be okay. We don't have to be so focused on hourly and like how many hours things take. It's really about what we're delivering and whether it takes five minutes or two hours, it's the value of that deliverable. Absolutely. I know. I, I still, I, and I think it has a lot to do with agencies and time tracking and estimating and um, you know, the value of your hour. Um, and I, and I, a lot of weight was held on that in, in previous roles. And I've been so grateful to, yes, we still track our hours. Yes, we still estimate, but that doesn't, my value isn't, isn't based there anymore. And um, I, I think that was a very damaging and unhealthy way to, to be treated in the past. So um, culture is, is definitely everything. And, you know, creating a culture where people feel that they're part of something and successful is one thing, but creating a culture that removes the micromanaging and, you know, the damaging oversight, I think is, is, is so, so important. Um, one of the other books that I just got, I haven't read it yet, but um, this is no, no rules, Netflix. And on the CBS Sunday morning show a couple weeks ago, uh, the CEO of Netflix was on and he just talked about how they run their culture. And obviously Netflix is one of the companies not impacted by the pandemic in any way They're And they've, they've had success year over year. Uh, the data that they shared just about um, their public knowledge of, so Netflix launched in 2002. That's the year I graduated high school um, and shares were 
sold at $15 a share. At 2020, 18 years later, they're up to $500 a share. So their growth has been incredible. And the way that they manage the team, he said, is like a sports team. They keep the best players on the field at all time. And the way that they do that is based on honesty. And so it's open and honest dialogue and communication and feedback and direct feedback. And they actually do that live. They call it um, a live 360. I don't, every week, maybe every month they do it. And um, it's just, they sit around a room with their team and they tell each other, what they could be doing better professionally. It's, I mean, that's so courageous and courage is, is one of those characters that you need at an executive level. So I really love that. I think it's terrifying, you know, to hear <laughs> somebody tell you what you're doing wrong, but it's working for them. And um, they also have what they call a keeper test. So um, whether or not they should keep that player on the field. Um, so I'm excited to read it and to, to learn more about their Netflix and the culture of reinvention. It's going to be very interesting. I'm sure their retention rate is very high too. Yeah. As far as employee retention. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, on a smaller scale, one of the just very easy examples of the buyer group culture that I love that we started doing, um, I think we started doing it last year, um, the buyer group Friday that goes out to everybody on the team. That's just a, you know, a kind of like a quick list of all the, it's all positive that's happened in the week so that we end the week on, you know, everybody knows what maybe it's the smallest, tiniest thing that happened on an account, or maybe it's just a social PR secret or a digital detox secret or some, some good reads that, that we've come across. And I just think having that, um, that communication to the team is on a positive, consistent um, basis is, is important. Absolutely. And so is happy hour. Yes. Speaking of happy hour, <laughs> it is Friday. What will you be drinking at happy hour today? <laughs> um, red blend is what is what I love. Red blend wine. Um, don't really have a favorite. I just like mixing them all together. So, I mean, I could all, also just get like a bottle of Cab and a bottle of Malbec and dump them in a jug. Um, I won't do that, but definitely wine. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> So I love, if it's not, I love wine too, but usually for happy hour, I'm more of a deep eddy grapefruit soda and lime or just Tito soda and lime. Um, that's my go-to for happy hour. And um, if you haven't tried deep eddy, it's the grapefruit flavor is awesome. So refreshing. Yeah. I love it. And then the red blends are, are more for a wine on Wednesday, red blend. Yes. <laughs> Yes. I had too much wine on this Wednesday red blend though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned um, when you graduated high school in 2002, and that leads me to kind of my next, um, what would, what would I, what would we tell our 20 something year old self? What would you tell your 20 year old something self? Mm, why don't you start? Let me think on that. So I was trying to think of what I would tell, what I would tell my 20 year old self is different than I would tell my 20 year old self today. Um, because what I would tell my 20 year old self was, you know, things like I worked way too much and, and I still do to work less and um, do, do more fun stuff. I did a lot of fun stuff, but today I would tell a 20 year old self if, if I were 20 year olds today to be See, I feel like 20-year-olds today, not everyone, so 
if you're listening and don't feel slighted if you're not one of these in this group, but I feel like a lot of 20 something year olds um, had a lot more help from their parents than, than I did for sure. And my generation. So that's not their fault, but they need coaching and being more resourceful and having more confidence and not waiting for something to come to them that they have to, they have to find it. They have to find something and they don't necessarily deserve something. They have to earn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, as you've been talking, I've just been reflecting on, on my twenties and my career path and uh, you know, the, the thing that is rising to the top is just to speak my mind more. I think in your twenties um, you don't have the experience to know when to speak up or if your thought is a good one. And I, I was constantly getting feedback from my managers to speak up more. Um, so I think there was always this baseline of fear of, you know, well, what if I say something wrong coming from that place of perfectionism that uh, you just have to trust yourself and go with, go with the flow. So that, that would be, that would be my advice to myself is to, to speak my mind more. Um, and it, that takes tact and that takes time to learn, you know, how to present something and how to address an issue or how to you know, give feedback in, in a con- constructive way. So, you know, I, I, I wish I would have known to read more about that topic then. And I, I wish I would have done yoga training a lot sooner. Me too. Yeah. I, I wish I would have started meditating a lot sooner. I, I think I've told you the story, but I'll just share it again. When we started doing yoga, which we actually started around the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, you know, the corpse pose is basically, a, you know, a little bit of meditation, but I would always not be like excited about that last pose. I'd be like, okay, let's get out of here type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was really doing yoga for the, the athletic benefits yeah. of it. I didn't know I was really doing it for the, the mind benefits. And I would see people come to a meditation class after and they would all be waiting to come into the meditation class. I'd be getting, trying to get out of the yoga class as quick as possible. And I'd be thinking, what are they doing? Like, why would somebody come and just sit for an hour? Like that, what a waste of time. Like just, I couldn't even think of why they would, anybody would want to go to a meditation class and like leave their house and come to a class and sit in their room for an hour and do nothing. And that was then and this is now and now I totally get it. But I think a lot more people today, especially during the pandemic, get the importance and, and you know, how if you meditate, it's actually a superpower, especially in the, being a CEO or a CMO and uh, being an entrepreneur, like that is a superpower. If you're not meditating and you're unhealthy, then the person meditating has way more advantage over you do. Absolutely. I Totally agree. And I love that we do the Boho Beautiful classes and that we take the time, even if it's a 20 minute class, take the time to clear your head, go for your walk, just just remove yourself from your environment. It's it's going to put so much more health into your day. And I have a perfect example of hating corpse pose. And uh, somebody said to me once, I used to teach the classes at... Uh, at lunch in, in, in previous agencies. And I would say how in Shavasana or corpse pose at the end, I would always need to stop my brain. I would need to, you know, I would tell myself. And so I said this to out loud. I said to a friend, I'm always needing to tell my brain to stop, like stop thinking. Cause I'm always going to the next thing. What's next on my agenda. 
And my friend said to me, she's like, Sarah, that's terrible. When I lay in corpse pose, all I want to tell my brain to do is go and let it go. And she just has like such more of a, a relaxing, just open kind of freedom of thought. And that's when I knew, wow, you know, there's, there's just too much racing through my brain right now. And it's got to, got to pull back. Yeah, it's true. But I have had that, that effect too, where these ideas just come to me during corpse pose or during yoga. Like when your brain is kind of, you've just created this, this space of, you know, declutter. And then all of a sudden this idea comes to you and you're just like, oh my God, like, I just, you know, like, how did that come? How did that come to me? And it, comes because you create that space and it happens also I'm sure that has happens to you like when you're running yeah all the um, time yeah I'm like taking notes when I'm running all yeah. the time I always have my phone on me I write yeah. something down and then I go back to the run <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um so a couple of the things that um I mean did we talk about all of our pet peeves are there any other pet peeves you want to talk about no I'm perfectionism is is my current peeve how about you did you talk about yours well, I think it's not really a pet peeve, but it's just something that I always like to, to like just optimizing anything that we can do and making things as like efficient as possible. So we're not wasting time. So I think like my biggest pet peeve was the whole meetings thing. Like we talked about like zoom and it's just meeting after meeting and like how unnecessary meetings can be. Like, so I think we just need to like somehow, you know, always evaluate, does everybody have to be at this meeting? You know, if you multiply the amount of time we're spending times the amount of people we're spending. And that's why we got meetings suck. Um, but yeah, I just feel like my pet peeve is meetings. And I just did something about it this week by handing out meetings suck to everybody on the team so that we can at least control what we can control. Yeah, I love the idea from that book of setting the attendees and the agenda the day before setting it out to everybody so they can understand and then allowing the flexibility and the decisiveness of the team members to look at the agenda and say, I don't need to be there or partway through the meeting say, I'm going to excuse myself. The rest of this is irrelevant to me. I mean, just think about how much time you get back, especially when you have, you know, 15, 20 minute increments where you could be writing something, optimizing something, responding to an email, calling somebody that all adds up. And it's, it's just so brilliant. And I also loved what you said before about the 80-20, planning your month and your strategy. Yeah. And just, just you know, the goal is you don't have to be 100%. The goal is you get to 80%. I mean, 100% is really, and you know, our, our brains are wired for that. I taught a class at UF a couple of years ago and it's, you know, the competitiveness right now of getting 100%, of getting to an A+, plus, of getting nothing less than an A or nothing less than 100% is really very unhealthy and it's not realistic. Like, you know, getting 100% is really not, not, shouldn't be the end game. It should be, you know, reaching your goal of 80% because then you're leaving room for another opportunity that you didn't plan for to come mm -hmm. into your life. I've always been a B plus student. <laughs> I was, I was definitely not an A student, but I wasn't, I mean, I, I, when I got an A, it was like a huge, you know, a huge, um, accomplishment. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. And, and I think like one other thing is just being present. Um, I think zoom is, is causing so much pressure to be present because you're on video, but when you're not on video, um, and even if you are on video, it's just so important. We've, 
had, you know, issues like this come up where, um, you know, if you're not 100% involved in the meeting, you're not going to really get the most out of it. And, you know, doing like three things at once during a meeting or having somebody on the other end doing multiple things at once, it's like, why are we having this meeting, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, and that just takes courage by the leader of the team to stop it. If it's a meeting that isn't efficient or isn't going anywhere, just don't, don't draw, draw it out just end it and get, get the time back in your day. Yes, definitely. And so speaking of zoom, you know, in the pandemic, so what has come out of this is now we don't have events to go to, but we do have live events to go to. So I'm just want to kind of share some of my upcoming favorite live events that are coming up. And if you have any to share too. So, um, so next week I'm covering HubSpot's inbound, um, with the press pass. And that's a two day event that starts at like eight in the morning and goes until the, um, nighttime. And I went to it in person a couple years ago. It was definitely the largest marketing conference I've ever been to largest conference I've ever been to. I think, you know, Salesforce is like the largest conference in the world or something like that, but it was huge. I think 40,000 people were at inbound and they just take over, it takes over Boston. So this year it's, it's digital, it's, it's virtual. Um, but if you can attend it virtually, I highly recommend it. There's something for everybody in marketing. Um, another one coming up is PubCon, which for the first time ever is going to be virtual and that's October 12th through the 15th. Um, this is the first PubCon I'm not speaking at. And I just, it was one of those things where I just, it could not, I couldn't make it work in my schedule, even though it is virtual. And one of those things where I just had to say no, and I just couldn't take on too much, but I will be following it. I'll be writing about it. I highly recommend if you um, are in SEO or internet marketing or social media and even our public relations that this conference, you're going to learn so many actionable takeaways. It's, it's just unbelievable. And um, I'm also going to be speaking at Pod, PodFest Masters Online Class. And I'm going to be talking about how I launched Social PR Secrets, the podcast with 50 episodes on day one. And that was something I did over the pandemic too. So uh, I like to like learn things firsthand and be on and understand how things are put together and how things are done before I bring them to a recommendation to a client. So that was one of my examples of, um, I did it with, not by myself, but with the help of everybody on the team, including Kelsey and London and a group of writers. So I'm gonna share that, my own, I'm gonna be my own case study. <laughs> That's so important. And what we do and understanding it to the level of being able to do it is such a unique value that, that you bring and that I've always believed in as well is you can't manage it if you don't understand it. Yeah, it's so true. And there's a lot of cases and agencies that offer services that are um, awesome, but the people behind implementation don't always follow through. And unfortunately it gives agencies, you know, a bad name in some cases and, or it makes our jobs easier because we can do awesome work. And if we're being compared to agencies that, that don't. Right. Yeah. The events that, that I am always looking towards is, is the Facebook eight. So F eight, that event is canceled for this year, obviously, but um, the plan is for Zuckerberg to come in and do conference uh, videos. And I'm actually just a little surprised by that. I, I was hoping for more innovation from Facebook to do you know, something else. Um, and when we were looking at our, our client and LMN, 
um, their big event for snow coming into snow season it was just held virtually and that was pulled together in such an innovative fashion and quickly so um, I was hoping that Facebook would be the leader in that and um, do something very very unique and maybe they still will uh, but that's that's what I have my my eyes set on. Well, we have lots coming up that we'll share in the future. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on Social PR Secrets, the podcast. It's always awesome to have you as a guest. And we will catch up with you in a couple months and see where you are at that moment in time. And we'll reconnect and talk about our favorites at that time. Thanks so much for having me. It was really lovely. And I look forward to hearing all the rest of your guests upcoming. I find so much inspiration in this podcast. Thank you and namaste. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.